This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins Today. And a swing and a miss and a changeup. That was masterful pitching from Jose Barrios. I know they know I got a great curveball, so they're looking for. That's when I was the that breakable. Twins Today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. It's hard to believe that was 15 years ago. Right? Time flies, but uh, you know what? I'm in a new role and I'm enjoying it. Thanks, Derek. Which thought am I? Did I make the top five? Now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Good morning, Twins fans. Good to be with you. I'm Derek Wetmore, and you're listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. I'm sitting at Target Field as they start to get the hoses out and uh, wet down the dirt ahead of Twins Angels, the series finale, coming up here at 110 today from Target Field. And you'll hear it right here on uh, WCCO and all across our Twins radio network. Just a very, very exciting show because this is the week of the MLB trade deadline so we've got it packed with guests Uh, I'm pumped for this show and I hope you'll join us we're here from 10 to noon right here on 830 and after that all across the network Twins GM Thad Levine joins Chris Atterbury for Inside Twins that's leading into the Adana Realty pregame lineup card all coming up before first pitch Twins and Angels. Some of the guests we've got coming up on the show, we've, we're saying hi to an old friend. Red Bollinger's in town, covers the Angels for MLB.com. We're going to catch up with him. Latroy Hawkins joins me a little later. We're going to hear from Taylor Rogers and Jordan Belazovich later on in the show. Plus, MLB insider John Heyman on the Twins at the trade deadline. But we start today's show like we start every show here on Twins Today. We're going to go five thoughts. It's five thoughts that get you caught up on the week. If you caught every single pitch on the radio, thank you. We're going to dive a little bit deeper for you. And if you've been in and out this week, well, here, we'll get you caught up to speed with just a few days to go before the MLB trade deadline. we got to start with some downer news. Seems kind of like the case uh, sometimes this year with the Twins. We'd been on a good streak of wins before the show, but uh, that's kind of gone by the wayside here. Twins lose a tough one last night, 2-1, to one, Patrick Sandoval dealing. Earlier in the week, it was a different kind of bad news. Number one. Kirilov hits the first pitch high in the air. Right center field. Get up. Get out of here. Go. It's a home run to the upper deck. And a two-run shot for Alex Kirilov. Chris Atterbury on the call, Alex Kirilov on the bomba, and that was, it turns out, likely the last home run Kirilov will hit in 2021 for the Twins. Kirilov shut down, had right wrist surgery on Friday. It had been a bit of a nagging thing. The Twins were hoping to uh, be able to deal with it with rest and just maintenance. Kirilov, to his credit, had been playing through it, still putting up good numbers, but finally 
with the season and the, the postseason very likely out of reach. Wanting to get set and healthy and ready to rock out of the gates with spring training next year, they decided to go ahead and get the procedure. They have not said season ending, but given the timeline, eight weeks to recover, it's it's very likely that will end Kirilov's season. He finishes the year with a 251 average, 299 on base, but a 423 slugging and eight homers, including that one you just heard there from Chris. Kirilov finishes the year in all likelihood fourth on the Twins in barrel rate. So a promising rookie season and hopefully more to come. Number two. It was shocking. Uh, I don't think... Even you expecting something like this, you never prepare for this. They hit me one day, told me, and they hit me when I when I when I went to the locker room, see my teammates there. Uh, that's when it really hit me. It was emotional. I guess it's hard to leave family behind, or in this case, uh, move to a different part or go to different organizations. I feel like this was my family, and we've been through a lot through the years. Uh, so definitely, it's heartbreaking. Like I said, it's a new chapter, and I try to embrace it the best way I can. New chapter for Nelson Cruz. That's obviously uh, Cruz's voice shortly after the news that he'd been traded to Tampa Bay. He does have a shot at a ring. He hits a homer in his first game, so good start in his new city for Nelson. But, of course, it leaves a Nelson Cruz-sized hole, uh, not only on the Twins roster in their lineup, but in the organization. I've been talking to a lot of people this week, had some events at Target Field. I have not found one person yet who has something bad to say about their experience, their personal experience with Nelson Cruz. Just an incredible, um, I guess, ambassador is probably the best way I can put it. Obviously a great player, and we've heard about the leadership and the mentorship, but also just uh, what what a great asset that the organization lost in that trade with the Rays. Um, they're getting something back, but Cruz finishes his Twins career, uh, well, in all likelihood. I mean, he's 41 and a free agent at the end of the year, so you never say never, I guess. But in parts of three seasons with the Twins, 304 average, 386 on base, and oh yeah, 598 slugging. Just superhuman numbers for a guy in his late 30s and then early 40s. Good luck to Cruz in Tampa Bay, St. Pete. It was not the only part of the trade, however. Here's Derek Falvey. Number three. We feel really good about the players we got back. It's not not easy to, to talk about trading Nelson, but in Joe Ryan and Drew Strotman, we feel like given what we were hoping to get at this deadline, we, we may have even exceeded that. So these guys are two upper-level pitchers who pitched as well as anybody in the game in AAA. Both have different characteristics, different abilities, uh, and we're really, really excited to get them to add to our pipeline here uh, to hopefully help us here in the near term. The cynics might be thinking, of course he's going to like the trade they made, or of course he's going to say he liked the trade he made, but I don't think Falvey is the kind of guy to stand up there and just make stuff up out of whole cloth. I did some digging on the couple of pitchers, minor leaguers, that the Twins got back in the Cruz deal. They sent Nelson Cruz and Calvin Fauché, uh, a minor league pitcher, to Tampa Bay, and coming back, Joe Ryan and Drew Strotman. We won't do a super deep dive here on these guys, but my impression, based on my research and understanding of what I thought was going to be the market for a DH like Cruz, who is 41 and, yes, still an amazing hitter, I didn't think they were going to get pitchers this high up the minor league ladder. I legitimately believed that you know they could they could potentially do some things, like, like throw in a prospect as they did, or pay down some of a, the roughly $5 million left on his, his contract for this year. 
and then maybe get a, a an A ball pitcher. You know, somebody with some upside, but who's a couple years away from the big leagues. That's what recent history told us was the likely return. And so with that context, to get two guys who've made it to AAA and had some success in AAA, I got to say I was a little bit surprised by the return. You heard Twins president of baseball ops, Derek Falvey, there saying that they exceeded their own, their internal expectations for what they could get for two months of Nelson Cruz. Um goes without saying you'd rather be the team acquiring Nelson Cruz I think that's safe to say it means you're in the hunt for a World Series but if you have to trade a Nelson Cruz and you need help on the pitching side of things I think the Twins made a good deal for themselves Joe Ryan is currently in Tokyo pitching for Team USA when he gets back I would expect I don't know AAA St. Paul Um, but a guy with a chance to make it to the big leagues this year in AAA for the Rays He's got a 3.63 ERA, an incredible 75 to 10 strikeout to walk ratio. That's almost a 35% strikeout rate as a starting pitcher. And I mean, that's tops of the tops. I get it that it's AAA, and we don't know how that will translate uh, coming over. And some analysts believe that he might still be a bullpen arm someday, but uh, uh, an encouraging name and some minor league numbers to dream on. Drew Strotman, same kind of deal. He's uh, coming off Tommy John surgery. It's a while in his past, but he's only had 120 pro innings this year for the same AAA Durham, 3.39 ERA. A lot of strikeouts, 62, 62 punch outs, but the story for him is way too many walks, way too many walks, 62 to 33 strikeout to walk ratio. I haven't seen Strotman pitch, so I'm going to reserve judgment. Sometimes that type of pitcher with uh, maybe some great stuff and not the best command or results anyway winds up in the bullpen. I don't know where it's going to go for either one of those two guys, Joe Ryan or Drew Strotman. Really interesting to hear Falvey say they exceeded their own internal expectations. Last night, Patrick Sandoval took a no-no into the ninth. Number four. And the first pitch, line drive into right. That's going to slice fair inside the right field line. Bounces off the sidewall. He will go into second base. He is then hurt. Fred first sliding. And Rooker doubles in the ninth inning with a one out. And no, no hitter at target field tonight. Josh Donaldson would drive in the run. Congratulations to Brent Rooker on breaking up that no hitter. Uh, man, I-, I was working the game and it was uh, nerve wracking with every inning because he got closer and closer to history. There have been seven no no's in the big leagues this year, including a uh, combined and not including the no-hitters of the seven-inning variety and doubleheaders. There have also been two broken up in the ninth. In late June, Herman Marquez had one going uh, against Pittsburgh, and last night it was Patrick Sandoval um, who had his broken up with one out in the ninth inning. Last year there was only one no-no lost in the ninth inning, and you remember that one because it was Kenta Maeda against the Brewers. Two no-hitters last year. We'll see where the final tally lands this year. Uh, We also have to wait and see if Jose Barrios finishes the year in a Twins uniform. He pitched really well for him last night. And if you're looking at the calendar, likely his last outing before the trade deadline. There have been some rumblings, some reports about uh, competitive teams needing starting pitching, and Jose Barrios with a year left before free agency could make sense. Rocco Baldelli uh, doesn't want to think about that. Number five. It's actually not something that I've focused any attention on. We, we've 
basically just been getting ready to play this ball game and get Jose ready to go. We know what time of the year it is, but I think I've said it before, speculating around the trade deadline and uh, anticipating things happening. It's not the recipe that, that we show up to the field with every day. Nope, that'd be too much of a distraction. You got to live in the moment the best you can. I'm going to ask a uh, next guest uh, coming up later, Latroy Hawkins, about staying in the moment with all this stuff flying around on the periphery going on. Uh, for what it's worth, according to reports uh, in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and the New York Post, the Twins asking price for Barrios is sky high. Uh, the Athletics' Dan Hayes also with a similar report about just a high price tag asking price for teams calling about Barrios. It makes sense. He's a great pitcher. He's got a year left, so you'd get him for this stretch run, and you got him for another year in your rotation before he can become a free agent. But if you're the Twins, yeah, why not hold out? Say, if we can get an amazing deal that knocks us over? All right. If not, we got Jose Barrios making the opening day start for us next year, 2022. Lace him up and let's go. I I don't know where this is going to go, but it'll be a fascinating week for the Minnesota Twins. So that's it for Five Thoughts today, but we've got a loaded show coming up. If you want more from Five Thoughts, follow me on social media. You can find me facebook.com slash Derek Wetmore MLB or find me on Twitter at Derek Wetmore we got to take a break. When we come back, it's a radio revisit. We're hearing with a, uh, from another guy who's got his name in the trade rumor mill. Taylor Rogers joins the show next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Twins today, and this is News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back, Twins fans, Twins Today. It's driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. I'm sitting out at Target Field as I get ready and everyone gets ready for Twins Angels 110 coming up right here. You can uh, basically just keep your radio on and listen to baseball all morning and afternoon if you want to because it's this show. Uh, here we're going to hear from Taylor Rogers in just a second, but coming up after this, we're also going to hear – this is 10 to noon, I'm sorry, and then at noon it's Inside Twins with Thad Levine and Chris Atterbury, the Adina Realty pregame lineup card, and then first pitch Twins and Angels at 110. So full day of baseball for you. If that's your thing, uh, this is a radio revisit where we hear from Taylor Rogers because, you know, the big news of the week was Nelson Cruz traded and then sort of the, the I guess, awkwardness or uncertainty uh, leading into the trade deadline that's coming up this Friday. So we're going to talk to Thad Levine about that at noon. We're also on this show, we're going to hear from MLB insider John Heyman. He joins this show to talk twins at the trade deadline, including his recent report on Taylor Rogers. That's coming up at 11.05, and it's an insider call. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. BetQL is here to help us all make better bets through real proven analytics. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. Let's not delay any further our radio revisit conversation with one Taylor Rogers. Obviously, yesterday was a huge day with the trading of Nelson Cruz. You've been through some of this before. We were reminiscing about the, the awkward way the Eduardo Escobar trade went down. You've said goodbye to some great teammates in the past. Uh, where were you when you found out, and how was it from the team's perspective uh, when you found out uh, that one of the great leaders in this clubhouse was moving on? Yeah, it was. So uh, we called a, a last second meeting in the clubhouse. Um, we're kind of talking to Theobar, Theobar's lockers next to me. And it's like, you know, when we do these last minute meetings, it's never good news. So um, then we see Nelson come out of Rocco's office there. And that's when it kind of hit like, okay, 
that's what it was. We were, I mean, you're expecting that to happen. That's, that's where we are. That's the way the business goes. Um, I just, we just weren't expecting it this early. And um, I think a lot of this thing is that he, he is a great person, left a huge impact, um, but that we kind of did this to ourselves. You know, it's uh, if we would have done a better job, then this wouldn't be happening. And, and that part stings too. Yeah. And again, that's the self-awareness that you have that, uh, that it, it really is just a matter of where you are that's going to dictate a move for a guy on a one-year deal like that. I think it's a testament to Nelson how surprised he was, even while acknowledging that he thought it probably would happen, because that, I guess, testifies his ability to focus and focus on the job at hand and not get caught up in it. Your name's been bandied about. Now, you are very attractive as an all-star with another year on your contract, and yet you've been able to focus as well. How difficult is that when, whether it's your friends, your family, or people outside the clubhouse or even inside the clubhouse are, are badgering you about that topic. Mm-hmm. You know, I did, I kind of took a little bit of uh, Nelson Cruz advice and it's just dive into your day to day and uh, you go Bill Belichick and not worry about the outside noise. <laughs> <laughs> I hate saying that as a Broncos fan, but he's right about that. Um, yeah, it's easier said than done though, isn't it? It sure is. And you know what? It's okay to, uh, we have our our performance coaches that are walking around, and, and I spoke to one of them, uh, Justin Anderson, the other day, and he basically said, like, look, you're a human being. It's okay for those thoughts and, and feelings to creep into your head from time to time. Acknowledge that it's it, that you're human and that's going to creep in, and then move on to back to the task at hand. But don't be so hard on yourself that when it creeps into your head that you get mad at yourself okay, it happened, acknowledge it, and now we're back to it. We're going to talk more about some of your favorite Nelson memories in a little bit, but in terms of his impact, everybody talks about clubhouse presence and leadership, and oftentimes leadership as reported through the media is very different than actual leadership. Sometimes it's the guy who wants everybody to think he's the leader, uh, who wants to, to talk all the time about what a leader he is. Uh, that, to my experience, is not always the true leader in the clubhouse because you can't fool your teammates. Nelson was a true leader in every sense of the word, but can you give us some examples uh, of how that manifests itself? Yeah, Nelson, true leader. He, he had the lead by example first. People would flock to him, and then he had the the credibility and, and the wherewithal to talk to people and made them feel so comfortable that that took the next step forward um, in his leadership. And I feel bad because that stuff kind of gets thrown loosely sometimes. Clubhouse leader, veteran presence, all around good guy, blah, blah. No, like like these things shouldn't be loose terms for Nelson. Like this was, uh, this is a different level. I mean, this is Joe Maurer type impact in the clubhouse. It was incredible to see. Really glad I got to be a part of it story to go back to that and to kind of run this home is in the clubhouse at Coors Field I come in from batting practice and there is a entire group of Latin players around Nelson's locker it was it was Chapman it was Guerrero it was it was the whole uh, Devers was over there Nelson runs the show in the Latin community and not just the Twins clubhouse so All he does it baseball. Yeah, all across baseball. Yeah. Well, you're going to see him in August, and you'll probably have to pitch to him late in the ballgame. So that will be fun when the Rays come back to town. Before we get to your power rankings, I I want to touch on a fellow member of the left-handed reliever fraternity. You mentioned Theobar earlier, but the third musketeer is Danny Coulomb. He is quietly throwing the ball really, really well. And he's a guy, as we get to know him, uh, seems to fit right in with kind of the way this Twins bullpen 
has been in terms of personality and approach and attitude when you've had so much success the last couple of years? Is that a fair assessment of Danny? Certainly, certainly. I think uh, a hard worker, consistent hard worker is a good tag for him. He jumped in, uh, you know, Caleb Thielbar and I started doing a little weight room work on Mondays and Fridays and, and Coulomb wanted to jump in. It's a little left-handers party and that guy uh, really pushes us in there. He, he has a work ethic that's, that's pretty impressive and kind of makes you feel like you're not doing a whole lot. So it makes you do more with him. And uh, really cool to see him doing well. He's a hard worker, deserves it. And uh, studier of the game, he's a lot, asks a lot of questions. And uh, I, I'm really happy for his success right now. He's working on those tree trunks. He's trying to build the tree trunk legs on those <laughs> Mondays and Fridays. Let's get to the power rankings. And we decided this week, power ranking, top three Nelson Cruz moments. Mm-hmm. Moments. Uh, first one, I wouldn't necessarily call us a moment, but it's something I'll, I'll remember about Nelson. Um, he has, uh, he has a chef bring in all the Latin food. And I just found out this year that he sends half of the Latin food over to the road clubhouse. I guess the veteran guy, veteran Latin guy in the home side takes care of the Latin food over on the, on the visiting side. I was like, man, I, I really did not know Nelson had been doing that for the last three years. And I, I think that's why, um, you know, he's the leader amongst that group too, but that's just really cool. Something you, he's not going to tell you he's doing it, uh, but it was really cool to hear. Um, and then also every time there's a pickoff move and that bah, comes from the <laughs> dugout, that's Nelson. <laughs> He's called it from the on-deck circle. He called the one from the on-deck circle earlier this year that helped win a game. He did. He did. And, and he never misses one. He's locked in every time. Bonk! Uh, I, love, I love that about Nelson. And then um, you remember when he brought – I don't remember what this mask was called, but during COVID, spring two, he brought like one of those uh, – it's like a superhero mask out for batting right? practice. Yeah. And so instead of wearing, you know, your uh, N95 mask, he just brought a – it almost looked uh, like a wrestling mask. Yeah. Gosh, I wish I had a, a better uh, movie knowledge to, to tell you what it was. But um, yeah, anyway, it was it kind of looked like the Iron Man mask a little bit. And he was out there <laughs> hitting BP in that thing. So he, he probably had a good st- time. He could probably still mash with an Iron Man mask on, huh? Sure did. Sure yeah. did. Yep. That's Taylor Rogers uh, chopping it up with Chris Atterbury there in our radio revisit. I wasn't at spring too, but I'm wondering if it was the luchador mask that Nelson Cruz had brought out and wore. Uh, Just some fun memories there, and I particularly appreciated out of Taylor Rogers the sort of sports psychology angle of it, a very meditative statement when he said, you know what, trade rumors happen. You are a human being being talked about publicly. It's okay to let that affect you for a second, acknowledge it, acknowledge that it's happening, and then get back to the task at hand. Because if you just try to tune it out, it might be sometimes counterproductive. Uh, I really I really enjoy hearing from Taylor Rogers. Uh, I hope that's not uh, the last time we hear from Taylor, but it's a possibility because that's the week that we're at here. If it is, I want to share this stat before we run out of time to do it. Rogers debuted in 2016, okay? Since that time, there are four relievers in Major League Baseball, only four, who have more innings than Rogers with a higher strikeout rate and lower ERA. It's a tough needle to thread, but there's only four guys on the list. Kenley Jansen, Brad Hand, Raysel Iglesias, and Ryan Presley. Taylor Rogers would be next then 
on that list there. So really, really impressive company and just uh, fascinating insight from an active major league ball player. Every week we get to hear from Taylor Rogers on those mound visits. So happy to do it on Radio Revisit here in a jam-packed show. Coming up in a little bit, we are going to revisit an old friend. We're going to chat with Rhett Bollinger. We're going to catch up with him. He covers the Angels for MLB.com. He was on no-hitter alert yesterday with Patrick Sandoval. And then later we're going to hear from MLB insider John Heyman. He joins the show at 11.05 just out of the news break, so don't miss that. That's all coming up here on Twins Today, so stay tuned. We're with you till noon right here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. And the first pitch, line drive into right. That's going to slice fair inside the right field line. Bounces off the sidewall. He will go into second base. He is in. Fred first sliding. And Rucker doubles in the ninth inning with one out. And no, no hitter at target field tonight. 25 outs, though, pretty close. That's Corey Provis on the call. Patrick Sandoval on the no-hit bid. This is Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we're welcoming into the show a friend of mine and a friend of Twins fans. He was on no-hitter watch duty last night. Rhett Bollinger now joins the show. Rhett, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, man. Uh, repeat guest. It's a rarity around these parts, but you're certainly worth it. Uh, Angels in town and Patrick Sandoval dealing. We heard Brent Rooker break it up there. Rhett, what's it like for you uh, knowing you might have to write a no-hitter story? What is a, what is the seventh, eighth, and the ninth innings like for a beat writer? It's pretty frantic. It's fun. You're excited about it because, you know, it's, it's history. And, you know, this would have been a record for the most no-hitters in a season in MLB history. Um, and so I had a story ready to go about that and about Sandoval, and this would have been the 12th one in Angels history and their first one since a pretty memorable one last time. They're, they threw a combined no-hitter uh, while well, they all wore 45 uh, Tyler Skaggs jerseys in their first home game uh, back uh, after his death uh, two years ago. Um, so I had all this ready to go and wrote this whole thing. And so at that point, you're kind of already rooting for it because you have your story ready to go. Um, and then sure enough, with one out in the ninth, Rooker breaks it up, so you're scrambling, and you're writing about how it's almost a no-hitter, but it's still a, a great start by Sandoval, who set career highs in both innings pitched and strikeouts. So, uh, so you, it's a fun one, but you know, at that point, you're kind of hoping it'll happen just because of the history of it and just because you already wrote your story. But, um, but yeah, it definitely uh, was still a fun night last night to see that happen. Not so much for the Twins fans, but for the fans that were there, I thought it was still pretty cool to – uh, watch it all the way to the ninth and see Rooker do that. Yeah, and he got a standing ovation for it too, Rhett. A mutual friend of ours, Patrick Royce, has a trick there. When you've got your story written and maybe it's a West Coast deadline, have everything written up and it changes, you just use the old nevertheless. You know, Sandoval was dealing, <laughs> exactly. it was going to be history. Bring up Tyler Skaggs and that emotional moment for not only the Angels but also Major League Baseball. And nevertheless, Brent Rooker broke it up in the ninth inning. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That works. So, perfect. Red, I didn't know uh, Sandoval. I mean, I know who he is, and I've seen him pitch, but not up close. But I was really, really impressed by him yesterday. Um, I, I don't even think you can say it's, well, the Twins didn't run out an A lineup and they had just lost Nelson Cruz. Yeah, that's part of it. But he had an awesome changeup working yesterday. He was throwing his sliders for strikes and for chases. I mean, what is the, the story or the future, the immediate future of this guy in the Angels' rotation? Yeah, he's a guy that started out in the bullpen this year and really kind of worked his way into the rotation. A young guy they really like. Got him in a trade a few years ago from the Astros. 
Um, but the issue until this year was he didn't really pitch deep into games as a starter, and now he's starting to learn how to do that. And like you said, uh, he has one of the better changeups really in baseball right now in terms of swings and misses. Um, he even holds the record this year for the most swings and misses in a game. Uh, overall, I think he got like 33 swings and misses in one game earlier this year, uh, which is a lot, you know, and that shows just how good his changeup is and his slider has really become a, a go-to pitch as well. Um, and a decent fastball for a left-hander, not really overwhelming with it, but it's more just about locating. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, this is a team just like the Twins that has struggled to develop starting pitching. So if this is the first kind of guy they've had in a while that's really kind of uh, become a, a good pitcher right away. They've seen some guys take some time uh, to try to develop, but this is a guy that really didn't take too much time this year and should be a, you know, a big part of their future uh, going forward. Fascinating. Uh, the voice you're hearing, Twins fans, that's Rhett Bollinger. You remember it from his time covering the Twins for MLB.com. He now covers the Angels for MLB.com out in Southern California. Uh, Rhett, and we, we, were on, we were all on no-hitter watch last night. Uh, so baseball, I'm sure, you know, you get that alert sent out after the eighth inning and everybody with, a, with an MLB TV account uh, tunes in to try to watch the ninth inning of a no-hitter. So we were the center of the baseball world for a little bit there. I suppose that's nothing new for you. You cover Shohei Otani. What was that, uh, the media storm like around Otani at this year's All-Star Game in Denver? Well, he's just been the story of baseball pretty much. I mean, it seems like for me, MLB.com, almost every one of my stories is about him. Even, it seems like even if he hits an amazing home run and a loss, the story's kind of framed around him and what he did uh, just because the stuff he's been doing all year has been so incredible. Uh, even last night, you know, he had two doubles. I kind of got lost in the shuffle there, and his first double kind of started that rally in the first that got them the two runs. Uh, there was only two runs, you know, that they scored all game. So, uh, yeah, in the, in the All-Star game, he was pretty much the face of it from being, you know, in the derby. And, you know, he lost in that first round, but you could tell he still had a lot of fun and was really tired. But then the next day, he was still able to go out and throw 101 miles per hour and, uh, you know, and still bat lead off for the American League. So uh, it's incredible what he's able to do. And the big thing for him is just staying healthy. Um, you know, that's been the issue for him in the past. He's had the elbow injury. He's had knee surgery before. Um, but this year, he's finally fully healthy. He's putting it all together. He's doing what everyone hoped he could do. But I don't think people even thought this was really possible for him to play this much, too. He's been DHing every day. He's been, you know, pitching every six days, every week or so. They kind of have been a little bit more guarded with that. Um, but he's been great on the mound. He's been great as a hitter. Uh, you know, pretty much an ace and a. And, you know, one of the better hitters in baseball is all wrapped up into one. So it's something we haven't seen, you know, since, like since Babe Ruth. So it's, it's been absolutely incredible to, to cover. Even for a team that's been 500, it feels different just because Otani really has been uh, pretty much kind of the story of baseball. I feel like this year just the amazing things he's been able to do. Uh, leading the league in home runs, and then also being one of the game's best pitchers. Yeah, I mean it's 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 unbelievable, an incredible athlete. And you're right; it's not just uh, it's not just that Anaheim bubble that you're speaking from. I'm I'm in the Twin Cities bubble, and it feels like he's the story of baseball to me. I won't drone on and on, but I do wonder, um, when the Twins signed Kenta Maeda, I've noticed an increase in Japanese media presence, and that's even uh, felt during COVID when everything's distant. Um, are you able to tell or feel firsthand, Rhett, the the fact that this guy's got a, the nation of Japan sort of in his corner rooting him on? I imagine that it's got to be uh, heightened coverage even beyond what, what we do here in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a contingent probably of 
at least 10 to 20 beat reporters that are just pretty much following Otani's every move. Wow. I mean, they write for newspapers and for, uh, you know, some of them are even the sports newspapers in, in Japan. It's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, sometimes they'll even write up to five or six stories on him just from one night. Uh, one of the writers has told me that he, one time when Otani hit for the cycle two years ago, he was up until 7 in the morning writing articles about Otani. You know, back there, there's just so much. Uh, they want so much coverage of him back home. They love it. And so most of the Angel games that start around 6.30, I believe it's right around like 7.30 or 6.30 in the morning in Japan. So I think part of the routine is that the Japanese people will watch Otani's games uh, before they go into work. Um, and so I see it on my Twitter feed a lot. I mean, I get a lot of interactions with fans from Japan. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a huge following internationally of, of, of Otani. I think there's even like a, a bunch of female fans, and they're, they call them Shobei. And so they've got a big fault. Loves everything about Shohei too. So and he carries himself so well too. He's always smiling. He's always having a good time. So I mean, really, it's pretty crazy when you think about just how much back in Japan uh, these people are falling, and especially considering the time zone differences. But they're very, very proud people, and he's making them a you know very good reason to be proud with the kind of season he's having. Absolutely, that's uh, that's amazing insight. I appreciate you bringing it, uh, Rhett. We just got a, a minute here left, but I want to ask you, the Twins are uh, out of it, and they're probably going to be sellers this week. They've already sold Nelson Cruz to the Rays. Uh, they talk about, though, Rhett wanting to get back into contention really quickly. 2022, you covered this team for a long time. You know some of these minor leagues, guys who are now graduating here. Do you think that the Twins are right to try to re- uh, contend really quickly, or does a reset make sense at this point? I think they got to figure out their pitching situation and get better starting pitching, but I think there's enough of a core here still to compete. I guess it's going to be the big key, though, is if they believe that, they've got to keep Barrios and keep Buxton and try to even extend those guys possibly. But if they feel like they need to reset a little bit um, because they don't have enough starting pitching that's going to be ready for next year, then I guess they, they could sell. But I still think that with the expectations coming in this year, they're supposed to be so good. I still think a lot of those guys are still here. Um, I think this was a tough year, obviously a tough break to the season, and uh, it seems like ever since the COVID thing, they kind of fell apart. But to me, I, I still think there's enough here that you can still build next year, but you can get to the front office and they're going to decide whether they think that, you know, Barrios or Buxton or guys to build around or guys to try to trade to get more young starting pitching in the system. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's kind of what it comes down to, and we'll probably find out at least the first part of that answer this week here with the trade deadline coming up. Uh, he's Rhett Bollinger. He covers the Angels for MLB.com, longtime Twins beat writer with MLB.com and friend of the show. Uh, Rhett, can't thank you enough. It's uh, great catching up with you, and thanks for coming on Twins today. No problem. That was awesome. Rhett Bollinger there. Follow him on Twitter, at Rhett Bollinger, if you'd like. Uh, That's not all we've got on this show. Really fun to hear the Angels' perspective on Patrick Sandoval because he was dealing last night, and I loved what Rhett brought up about the Angels, too, had been a team that's, you know, pitching has been their undoing sometimes, and they they developed him. So some hope for the Twins there. Uh, We're going to catch a break here. When we come back, Senior Manager of Minor League Operations, Brian Maloney. Make some time for the show. Don't go anywhere. This is Twins Today, and you're listening to News Talk 830-WCCO. All right, welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we're joined on the program now by the Twins Senior Manager of Minor League Operations. He is Brian Maloney. Brian, thanks for carving out some time for us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure's mine. And uh, so you're based out of Fort Myers, is that correct? I'm actually based out of Minneapolis now. Uh, okay. The 
12 years of, of my time with the Twins was in Fort Myers, but moved up to the Twin Cities a couple of years ago. Nice. Excellent. Well, we're happy to have you here around these parts in the cities. If you could for me, Brian, and, and for listeners of Twins today, can you kind of describe your role? And if you want to, how it's evolved with the team, I'm interested in that. I, I, I'd love to know just sort of the day-to-day of what the senior manager of minor league ops does. Yeah. Uh, so in my current role, I'm kind of in charge of uh, all the player travel during the year. Uh, when we have transfers, injuries, players going down to rehab, the players going to surgery, uh, getting that scheduled and situated, all their travel and accommodations there. Also our coordinators uh, that travel around front office staff that go to the different affiliates, kind of set those things up, deal with a lot of the logistics behind uh, just having 180 players and over 100 staff members kind of moving around the country. So you're kind of that machine that turns all the cogs. And when somebody needs a flight to uh, Wichita, Kansas, they say, just text Brian. Exactly right. Exactly. How, how do you uh, track and manage all that? I guess, do you, have, do you have a team that you work with? Because that's, I mean, you'll be modest about this, but that's a lot of flights. That's a lot of some conflicting timelines and stuff too. How do you handle that just from a, I mean, from a logistics perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it can be a lot at times for sure, but, you know, it's uh, kind of just take them one at a time and, and as they come in and book them and forget them. Sometimes people will say, well, where did so-and-so end up? And I, you know, I'd be lying if I remembered every single one exactly <laughs> where they were, but, um, you know, our, our group does a good job of communicating and trying to give me as much of a heads up as possible so I can get things taken care of early and and get people where they need to be. Okay. Wow. So you talked about draft picks. That's a big undertaking for the organization. I know not just you, Brian, but many people involved in that from the time we see a draft pick announced on TV or just on our little draft tracker online or at pop across Twitter. Okay. Well, that's just the starting line for some people. Cause then there's the whole intake process. Could you take from maybe even use a recent example? What happens once we've heard that name called how does a player then go to, you know, his start as a, as a professional baseball player? Yeah. So we rely on the scouts to give us a lot of the information, you know, uh, full legal name, date of birth. They fill out, you know, Google form with all that information, you know, we'll enter it into our travel, um, travel program that we use. And then once, uh, you know, uh, our group has negotiated with our agent or advisor, and then we come to terms, we'll fly them down to Fort Myers, where, you know, basically what we have going on this week is what we call mini camp, where we bring them all in. They go through their physical exam, make sure everything's good there, and then they'll sign their physical. Um, and down here at this week in mini camp, you know, with our strength and conditioning group, our sports psych group, our athletic trainers, dietitians, we have human resources, folks come down and meet with them. Our coordinating group, you know, pitching coordinators, all, all those groups, uh, PD front office, we'll meet with the players, introductions, just kind of get things kicked off and, and get them started in their pro career. So from the time you hear their name, uh, you know, a week later, a lot has changed in their lives um, and they've met a lot of different new people and it's kind of an exciting time. Absolutely. No, no doubt about that. So you've taken in some of the players into this what's what's called mini camp as you term it that's down in fort myers at the twins spring training uh facility and complex noah miller signed the uh, second pick uh steve hadger has signed what happens uh 
to, or I guess, just explain to me this, this mini camp that you're talking about. So those guys go down and they do their signatures. They do the, the logistical stuff that needs to happen for them to become uh, professionals. But then what does mini camp look like for a guy like, say, Noah Miller? How, how will he be welcomed as a pro baseball coming out of the high school ranks? Yeah. So, I mean, a guy like Noah, for example, he'll meet with our infield coordinator, farm director, like I said, all those different groups of people. And they'll kind of just, you know, kind of learn about his program, what he's done in the past. We'll kind of teach him what we like to do and just kind of slowly get them acclimated to professional baseball, um, you know, get them going and find out how long the player has been down. We don't want to ramp them up too quickly because we don't want to, you know, uh, have any injuries with, you know, guys getting going too fast, but kind of just ease into it, find out where they're at and hopefully, you know, get them into some games here before too long. Love it. Our guest is Brian Maloney. He's the senior manager of minor league operations with the Minnesota twins talking some draft picks and intake and all that stuff. Uh, maybe his trade secret. Maybe it's not what happens with chase Petty, the uh, fireballer, the twins took first overall. Uh, where do you see that process going from where we sit here today? Yeah. So he's actually uh, up in Minnesota or will be soon. He had his high school graduation recently and he'll be heading up there. Uh, to have his physical and then I'll head down to Fort Myers and um, they'll bring him down, meet with him, see where he's at, put him some, through some physical assessments and kind of just get him underway. Um, he'll probably be a little while before he gets on the mound in games, maybe possibly even instructional league um, before he gets going. Brian, who's involved in that process? Let's use Chase as an example here. You mentioned sort of the intake and what's required Who's going to be having those conversations with him? I imagine some player development would be involved in that as well. Yeah, definitely. Alex Hassan, Tommy Burgens on the pitching side, our, our assistant director who works with pitching a lot, Josh, Josh Culp, uh, Jeremy Zoll. They'll be a, you know, our pitching coordinators. They'll all get together, make sure they're all comfortable with a plan and, and um, you know, make sure everything's lined up. And like I said, you know, make sure he's in a, a good position to succeed when he gets on the field. Uh, it takes a village sometimes. That's definitely, definitely true with, yeah, with high school draft picks. I think it's doubly true, um, but it's not just draft picks. And you mentioned all the moving parts in the minor leagues throughout the year, uh, minors and majors, I should say. It's really just kind of chaotic from the word go. But what about trade acquisitions? Uh, one recently, obviously, Nelson Cruz and a couple minor league pitchers coming back. How do you make a decision and what's the group involved, Brian, not just yourself in figuring out where those guys go. And then uh, I assume you're the guy that has to get them there. Yeah, exactly. So a, lo a lot of the decision on where he's going to go is, is Alex Hassan and, you know, probably in a, like a most recent trade, probably Derek Thad, Jeremy Zoll. They also have some input there, obviously. Uh, but then once we find out where he's going, Alex Hassan will connect with him and just kind of give him the, you know, the information and then he'll say, Hey, you're going to get a call from Brian and, and we'll, we'll figure out how to get you there. So, you know, usually once I've given them a call, their, their life has changed pretty drastically within the last 10, 15 minutes, once I've had a chance to talk to them. So a lot of times they are just, you know, their head is spinning. They're basically told, you know, Hey, your job's changing drastically. You're going to be in a different part of the country with a different organization. And so sometimes, you know, I've had guys say to me, Hey, I know you just said a whole bunch of things, but I, I really didn't hear any of it. Can you hear it again? So it's, um, 
you know, it, it's a real unique situation when that happens. It's kind of fun to help settle them down, welcome them to the organization, and just kind of, you know, make sure that their needs are taken and comfortable from the get-go. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's a great service uh, that you do, Brian. I, Ryan Strotman headed to St. Paul, but Joe Ryan, a bit of an interesting case. Uh, for listeners who don't know, he's over in Tokyo competing in the Olympic Games. What happens with in a case like that? Yeah, so that's a pretty unique one. I'd be lying if I said I was experienced in that one. That's a first-time deal. <laughs> um, pretty exciting. Ho- hopefully, we'll get to watch him in the Olympics. So that would be uh, a really cool thing. And uh, We'll be rooting, obviously, for him, but uh, be eager for his return and get back uh, into action for us. That's awesome. Well, uh, wish you continued success, Brian. I know you're a busy guy, so we'll let you get back to it. But thank you for carving out a little bit of time here for Twins Today. Yeah, you got it. My pleasure. That's the voice of Brian Maloney, Senior Manager of Minor League Operations. Kind enough to take some time for Twins Today this morning. And that's our final interview for Hour 1 of this show, but fret not, dear listener, this is a two-hour program. We're here from 10 to noon on Twins Today, and I'm excited about the second hour of the show, just as I was the first hour when we got to catch up. We hear from Taylor Rogers. We got to catch up with an old friend, Rhett Bollinger, and then Brian Maloney, you just heard there, talking about assigning some of the draft picks and trade acquisitions, potentially, this week as well. In hour two of this show... MLB insider John Heyman joins the program. Uh, recent report on Twins uh, ace reliever Taylor Rogers and how in demand he might be this week ahead of baseball's trade deadline. also want to talk to him about uh, Jose Brios and just a number of other topics involving the Twins. The Twins will probably be one of the sort of central, like, linchpin teams here around the league. No matter which way it goes, they are going to be instrumental in how this trade deadline plays out so you're going to want to catch hour two of the show if for nothing else to hear john Heyman talking about the twins at the trade deadline insider of insiders after this show thad levine joins inside twins at noon with chris atterbury you're going to want to stay tuned for that all coming up ahead of first pitch twins and angels don't forget Heyman on the other side of this news block on twins today you're listening to news talk 830 wcco Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group. More than cars. Once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Welcome back, Twins fans. Thank you for tuning in to Twins Today this morning. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, sitting at Target Field as Twins and Angels, getting set to do battle in the series finale. Let's not waste any time getting to our next guest here. Joining the show is Odyssey MLB insider John Heyman and Insider Calls, are presented by BetQL. You can access uh, data and insights the sports books don't want you to see. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit betql.com today. John, thank you for carving out some time for Twins today. Sure, my pleasure. Well, the pleasure is all mine, and I saw a tweet. Uh, this was after we were getting this on the schedule that you sent out about Taylor Rogers. It piqued my interest. You said that the uh, all-star lefty is a popular trade market commodity this week. What do you expect to happen with the Twins and their all-star reliever, Taylor Rogers? Yeah, I think there's a good chance that they end up trading him by 13 strikeouts per nine. Um, very popular guy, as I said, and... Uh, you know, teams need relievers. They should be able to get something very good for him. So 
that's one more twin I expect to be traded, um, I would say, more likely than not. Okay, that's interesting. And, you know, teams love that extra year of control. Do you do you think that um, that increases what the Twins are able to ask for it? That almost, even if they are competing next year, John, maybe still an enticing piece that they might look to get something back for. Uh, yes, they absolutely uh, can increase the price. Uh, you know, certainly one and a half years is much more valuable than a half year particularly of a very good reliever like that. So uh, I would expect they would get something good for him. Like I said, more likely than not, he could stay put because he's got a year to go. Um, you know, they got some interesting calls. Obviously, Barrios is another very interesting call. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a fascinating week for the Twins and for Twins fans. John Heyman's our guest, MLB Insider, uh, MLB Network and Odyssey MLB Insider. Uh, John, we will get to Barrios. I want to ask you about the speculative stuff because that's all kinds of fun uh, for me and for listeners too. But we should also mention the one that's already been done. The Twins trade Nelson Cruz to the Rays for another shot at a pennant. The Twins send a, a minor league pitcher going the other way, and they get two minor league pitchers back, Joe Ryan and Drew Strotman. Um, I'm not a scout. I haven't seen these guys every start. I've seen their stats, but I'm curious from your perspective or what does the industry believe about the return that the Twins got in the Nelson Cruz trade? Yeah, I think it's solid. I mean, Cruz is obviously valuable. Teams were interested, even though he's a DH, and only half the teams used the DH. I mean, that was good when they were negotiating with him to try to bring him back. Not as good now on the trade market, but he was having a very, very good year, an all-star. So, um, you know, they were able to get some decent pieces back or close to the majors, which is very important as well. So um, I think they did well there. Yeah, I'm always kind of surprised to see what's the timeline. And you can tell a team's timeline, or at least you can try to discern their timeline based on, do they go get an A-ball? Or in this case, no, the Twins went and got two AAA arms. So they've said all along, Derek Falvey has said, they intend to contend next year. And I think that's maybe a, a sign pointing in that direction, which definitely leads me to the guy you mentioned earlier, John. Jose Barrios has another year left before he can become a free agent, and he said, he told the Minneapolis Star Tribune, Phil Miller, with a great piece on Barrios, talking about basically not expecting him to sign a hometown discount of any kind. He's so close to free agency here. With that in mind and with the thought that the Twins do want to compete next year, boy, it sure seems like Barrios in the rotation would help them, but what do you think about the chances that they could deal their ace before the week is up? Well, I mean, there is some chance. There's certainly a, a tremendous amount of interest in Barrios. I mean, uh, he might be the best pitcher that's kind of out there, shall we say. Um, Marquez is not available, or the all-star with the Rockies. Um, we, you know, we'll see with Scherzer. He missed the start now, and he's a 10-5, and the Nats are not in it. So they should be a seller, so perhaps Scherzer will be traded. Um, but there are some complications there. Barrios, a little cleaner situation no health issue no 10-5 and very very good pitcher um, I mean Kyle Gibson is out there he's having a career year but uh, you guys are familiar with Kyle Gibson solid pitcher but Barrios is more of a top of the rotation guy and uh, would bring back a haul so you know it takes some guts to trade him and then probably the belief that they're not going to make it next year I mean he's so they're pitching is their issue, and if they give up Barrios, um, you know, that 
gives off the impression they are punting on next year, and they clearly believe that they have talent in that room, and they believe that they can contend next year. They have been good in previous couple of years, just not this year. And uh, it's not outrageous to think they could contend next year. So I think it's, you know, I think that, uh, you know, he could be traded, but I, I wouldn't say it's likely at this point because I do think that they do not want to punt on 2022. And, I mean, you could trade a reliever with a year to go, but to trade a top-of-the-rotation starter when your starting pitching is your weakness, I think you're, you're really giving yourself a tough, tough spot and putting yourself in a tough spot for 2022. So I, I, I really don't think he's going to get traded. That said, uh, there is a tremendous amount of interest out there, and perhaps they will get overwhelmed. Yeah, and that's a key word, I think, overwhelmed, because I, I am 100% in lockstep, John, with what you're saying there, that it looks like a more competitive team with Barrios on the mound in 2022. Even if he is a free agent after that year, you could potentially figure something out. They could even try to extend him, even if it is at a market rate. Uh, I, I, I think I could see that going any number of ways, and I want to circle back on the other names that you brought up because it all impacts it. Max Scherzer. Uh, yeah, before, before you do that, please. Um, yeah, I, in terms of extending him, I, I think that they're not that optimistic about that. They, they sure. tried in spring, and it was a major gap from what I hear. Hmm. And, you know, they, they put their $20 million a year player in Donaldson, and, uh, you know, they aren't a, you know, a top revenue team. They're not a small market. You're not a small market team out yeah. there, but you're kind of in the middle there. And, uh, you know, at this point, they have not been willing to go and, and have another $23 million a year player uh, with Donaldson. So I, their chances to extend them I don't think are great. The reason they want to keep them is uh, because they want to contend next year. Yeah, well, that's great. And, and you know, maybe that would be one year. And that's fascinating because Donaldson is another guy who potentially could be moved. So who knows what the salary situation looks like. But, uh, yeah, if he's going to get that uh, Zach Wheeler money, sort of even just in that territory yeah as a mid-market team you probably can only pay so many different guys and don't forget uh byron buxton's coming up after next year too um you you mentioned some of the names on the starting pitching market though john that kyle gibson who's having a great year a little bit of a slide after the all-star break herman marquez you just reported is likely not going anywhere and max scherzer could uh i think right with the 10 and 5 he could decline a trade so does it get to the spot at some point maybe for the twins with Brios, where there are all of these buyers who really want a guy who's going to make a postseason start for you and Brios would be that guy for just about anyone uh where there are more buyers and just not as many pitchers on the move as we had maybe originally thought could that happen yeah i mean it could be a, just a tremendous tremendous sellers market among the contenders and you know there's about a, about a dozen contenders i mean i could say the white Sox aren't that desperate for a starting pitcher but beyond that i, I you know maybe the red Sox with sale could sale can come back here basically everybody else wants a starting pitcher and um you know i mean scherz has got the complications that we think he's the injury is not serious but he does have the 10-5 so he can reject deals could complicate things or scuttle things. So, I mean, Barrios is an extremely valuable commodity, and they could get, I think, multiple, multiple good pieces back for him if they could decide to trade him in the in the market that they're in. Mm. It'll be a fascinating week. Uh, John Heyman, MLB Insider, is our guest. One more for you, John, and uh, let you get going. I know your phone's blowing up this week and will be 
all the way through the trade deadline. We talked briefly about Byron Buxton, and there was a report this week that the Twins are working to try to extend him, but who knows where that's going to go. The The contract comp that was used was uh, Aaron Hicks, 7-70, and 70, that he did with the Yankees in uh, spring of 2019. It was, uh, you just talked on having Donaldson on the books and uh, maybe not as optimistic about being able to extend a Jose Barrios. What do you think the chances are that the Twins can keep Buxton in a Twins uniform for the long term? Um, now, I don't think they're great. Uh, I think it's difficult. a very tricky situation. You're talking about an extremely talented player who hasn't been able to stay on the field only one year with 100 games uh, out now. Um, certainly, it's just an unlucky injury, uh, but he's had a couple of those this year. When he played this year, he played at superstar level. Makes this contract difficult, uh, but my understanding and belief is that uh, it's not too likely they're going to be able to get something done, at least at this point. I mean, just very, very difficult. I mean, you know, the guy's healthy, he'd be a $200 million player, and, uh, you know, if he, if he turns out to continue to have uh, bad health, uh, he's not worth $70 million, not even close to the $70 million. Um, I think there is heavy an incentive, but, you know, look, from their perspective, Aaron Hicks was on the Twins. He was traded away for a backup catcher. And, uh, you know, you're talking about a guy who's one of the most talented guys in baseball. It's pretty unlikely you're going to be able to get him for anything around $70 million guaranteed. I, I just don't see that happening. Hmm. Tough spot, though. I mean, how, how do you guarantee $150 million for a guy who's been uh, hurt basically annually? Uh, very difficult uh, to do. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's a risk-reward assessment uh, like none that I've seen recently for the Twins right. anyways. Uh, uh, John Heyman has been our guest here, MLB Network Insider and Odyssey MLB Insider. John, cannot thank you enough for sharing some of your time this week and uh, continued success as we go to the trade deadline. All right, good talking to you. Good talking to you. That's John Heyman. He is an Odyssey MLB Insider. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. BetQL is here to help you all make better bets through real proven analytics. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. Wonderful catching up with John Heyman and all of the insight that he shared with us about the Twins and Buxton and Barrios and Taylor Rogers. Uh, thinks Rogers could get dealt, but the other guys he doesn't didn't uh, feel as strongly about. Uh, more on Twins today is coming up next. We're going to catch up with longtime uh, Twins reliever, 21 years in the big leagues, Latroy Hawkins stops by for a mic check segment to join the show. But first, this program, Twins Today, is driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars. And as we do every week, we're going to welcome Jeremy to the show from the Mauer Auto Group. Jeremy, how's it going today? Going great. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. I appreciate you asking. The Twins, Jeremy, as you know, are coming up on the trade deadline. It's end of this month. What do people need to know about the Mauer Auto Group as we close the month of July? Right. Don't we all have our deadlines? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As we're getting to the end of July, you know, July is, a, it's it, especially this year, it's been a hot month, but the inventory is coming in like crazy. And that's all we're talking about. You know, last week we talked about filling reservations and all that kind of stuff. And they're all coming in and people are getting their new cars and everything is amazing at how much inventory they're coming in. You need to see, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, the shortage of this and shortage of that and all that, but come to the stores, take a peek at what's going on. You're going to see 
the lots are filling back up. So it's, uh, it's an exciting time for us also. I had a friend who was listening to the show and listened to our conversation, Jeremy, and mentioned the car trucks coming in. Is that really how it goes that when you get a shipment of cars in to distribute to people who've bought them, do they come in on a car truck? Yeah, they have a, they have great big transports that fill up. They, they can either carry six to eight vehicles. And I'll tell you what, you want to see a bunch of excited sales guys and sales gals. Uh, you see that truck come in front of the dealership because they have to go down a separate street to be able to get in because these are big trucks. Uh, we see that transport come by and we're all just, we all just pop up and go, oh my goodness, did you see that? Look at, there's, there's that truck I was waiting for. Oh my gosh, there's that Equinox I was waiting for. Oh, hey, there's that Trailblazer. I mean, we're just, we're like kids in a candy store. You, you make your reservation and that's your truck that's coming in. So then we fill those reservations. So the nice thing is, is we're starting to get more now than what we have sold. So the lot is filling back up. So when you come in, you can actually drive something. You can look at something and we can show you something. Jeremy, what's the best way that people can learn more if they're looking to, uh, yeah, find out about Mauer Auto Group or get themselves in some new wheels? The best way to do it is to go to our Mauer Auto Group website. It's a brand new site. We put it up there. We can show you all that we're doing, which really is the more than car stuff. But more importantly, you can get to all three different websites, the Mauer Buick GMC site, the Mauer Chevrolet site down in Evergrove Heights, or the Mauer Main Chevrolet site out in Noka. But you can do it all from that one site, the Mauer Auto Group site. And then you can also, like I said, you can see what it is we're doing. When we say more than cars, we mean it. Absolutely. Jeremy, I don't think I've asked you this before because we typically are talking about the website or coming in to see you at one of the physical locations. Do you have a phone number that people could reach out to you with? Yeah, our phone number up at the Anoka store is the 763-421-2700. I've known that for 27 years. Uh, the South store, I don't have it in front of me, but again, the best way to get us, go to the Mauer Auto Group website and just email in. We have people waiting there for you. So anytime you email in, you're going to get a response instantaneously. Jeremy, uh, appreciate your support as always, and uh, we'll talk with you next week. All right. Thank you so much. Bernie Williams plays a step around the left. The 0-1. Swung on. He's going to get it. Popped out to right field. O'Neal near the line. He makes the catch. David Wells. David Wells has pitched a perfect game. 27 up, 27 down. Baseball immortality for David Wells. Baseball immortality indeed. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. I'm Derek Wetmore, and joining me on the show now is LaTroy Hawkins. LaTroy, thanks for taking some time for us today. Uh, thanks for having me on, Derek. Sorry to bump you on with a memory that might not be the most pleasant of yours. You pitched in that David Wells perfect game. Yeah, I was a starting pitcher on for the Twins that day, and you know we were talking about it a little bit last night, Dick and I on the on the broadcast, and I do remember him throwing the, the perfect game, not just the no hitter, the perfect game, but mm -hmm. I also remember it was Beanie Baby Night at Yankee Stadium. I didn't know they were that. giving away Beanie Babies. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And if you went to that game and you had a Beanie Baby, that's probably now a collector's item. You'd charge 10 times more for it. I think I have a few somewhere. <laughs> I'm about to find them. <laughs> Maybe consider it a retirement account there. 
<laughs> Part of the 401k. There you go. There you go. Latroy Hawkins, our guest, obviously uh, 21 years in the big leagues, the pride of Gary, Indiana as well. And uh, kind enough to join us here before his Bally Sports North TV duty for a mic check segment. And what is it like, Latroy, when, I mean, the other guys got it going? I ask you because we saw this last night with Patrick Sandoval. Change up, slider for strike, slider for chase, fastball. It was just a, kind of a masterful pitching performance. What's it like being in, say, Jose Barrios' shoes when you see that going the other way? Well, you know, you're sitting there and you're watching. I didn't notice it was a no-hitter until like the fifth inning. And I, I came in off the mound and I went and sat down next to Bob Tewksbury. Okay. And I looked at the scoreboard in center field at Yankee Stadium. And I said, oh, Tooks, he's throwing a no-hitter. And Tooks – Took said, no, Hawk, he's throwing a perfect game. And I'm like, oh, so what's the difference? And I was in the big leagues. I had to, okay, what's the difference? No walks, no hits, no errors. No, I'm like, ah. So, you know, you start to really lock in after that. And I started, you know, out for out with him. And I'm thinking, like, this could be special. I'd never seen anything like it before. And, you know, to be on that the other end of it, it was, you know, it was part of history. It was part of history. But for Barrios last night – you know, he threw the ball extremely well also. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you just, you know, sometimes you got to tip your hat to the other guy because he went out there and just completely dominated. I mean, what he did, you know, just talking to some of the guys in the duck, in the clubhouse last night about what he, you know, for us seeing it on television, what it looks like, but asking them what it looked like from their eyes going up to hit. Sure. And they were talking about how we talk about tunneling, tunneling your pitches. And that means, you know, making your pitches look the same as close – as far down the the lane as possible to the plate. Sure. And they said that's what his pitches were doing, especially his slider and his changeup. Okay. They looked like the same pitch until the last second. Same speed. And that makes it really tough to pick up. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was the difference. And he would throw that changeup in any count. He would throw that slider in any, any count. And then when he felt like you were looking for either of those pitches, he threw his 95-miles-an-hour fastball, and it was locking a lot of guys up. So it was just a brilliant performance. And, you know, we talk about, you know, the results that he was getting. For me, I kept mentioning, talking about how calm and methodical he yeah. was on the mound. He was going through his breathing techniques. He didn't do anything until he was ready to do it. He might have took a few extra seconds, but that was okay because he was methodically just going through this lineup, making sure every pitch he made yeah. was the type of pitch that he was trying to execute. It was. It was all execution last night, and I, I love the tunneling thing. That This wasn't something we necessarily talked about, certainly not on the radio. Maybe you guys talked about it in Clubhouse 15 years ago, and I just didn't know about it. But help us as listeners, as Twins fans here listening to Twins Today, LaTroy, uh, with your, your vast knowledge uh, as a big leaguer and now as a do-everything pitching mind for the Minnesota Twins, tunneling. Let's let's dig in on it. I, I picture when you say the runway. So a pitcher releases the ball. You try to have it from the same release point, no matter if it's a slider, curveball, fastball, changeup, doesn't matter. Now picture a jet going down a runway, and you don't know till the very last second the wheels are off the ground if he's taken off going right or taken off going left. That's kind of what you're talking about with tunneling. And in the big leagues as a pitcher, I mean, how how challenging is that to actually do versus, yeah, we can just talk about it up here. It's easy to talk about, have your have your curveball play off your fastball. What's that like when you're actually out on the mound? Derek, you actually just explained it to a T in layman's terms. That was a great explanation. But, oh, thank you. You know, when, you know, for myself, when I pitched, we didn't call it tunneling. Sure. You know, there was no no – scientific name for it at that time we're just trying to make everything look 
the same because for hitters, the hitters are going to pick up the ball. They're trying to pick up the ball out of your hand. And the sooner they can recognize what the pitch is, the better chance they have of hitting it. Sure. So with tunnel, what tunneling does, like you said, makes everything look the same coming out of your hand mm -hmm. and coming in the same quadrant. You know, you, you say we, we put this thing like a stoplight. You okay. got red, you know, you got green, yellow, red. And if all those – you put your pitches in that in that type of um, um, triangle. Yeah, sure. You know, or rectangle, okay? And you're taking it further down the mound towards the plate. And as long as you can keep those pitches grouped up, and like you said, that jet on the runway, hmm. and it rules off the ground, go left to right, now you get to the point where you get to the plate, you know, the fastball stays straight, curveball falls off the table – well, the changeup looks like the fastball with minus the velocity. Right. And that just throws guys off because they don't have a – they don't recognize the pitch until the last second. That's why they're trying to get it out of your hand because the sooner they recognize it, the percentage of them being able to hit it goes up. Yeah, sure. And, yeah, minus 10 on the velocity, that oh. helps a lot too. <laughs> As you saw with uh, Johan over the years, the fact that if you can just think it's a fastball and then, oh, no, my swing was – Make it look like a fastball, same arm speed. Yeah. Don't change anything on the changeup. You try to throw it just as hard as you throw your fastball with with the same intent, Yeah. but you let the grip take the miles power off of it. Sure. It's a great tip for young pitchers. Actually, Latroy segues perfectly into my next yeah, uh, question. You're a radio professional here setting up topics before they even happen it's wonderful uh so you are uh, on tv now and you're doing the valley sports north doing some t telecasts with dick bramer for the games that's why that's why you're here today and going to be doing the game that's not all you're doing with the twins organization can you share with listeners the things that you do and i guess yeah how you try to impart some of that great deal of wisdom that you accumulated over the years well like you said i, I do a, a couple things with the twins you know, I do the Valley Sports, like you, like you said. I also work with all the pitching, and work with the pitching means from Minnesota to St. Paul down to the Dominican Summer League team. Hmm. So just anything that has to do with pitching. Um, coming here on Thursday, you know, went on the field and worked with Robles with his slider. Just little, um, little um, appointments that I have with different pitchers. Sure. You know, because you know you got they have West, they have Pete Mackey. But just like when I go around in the minor league teams, sometimes it's just good for them to hear the same message coming from a different person, and you never, you never know who you can reach that way. Yeah. And a lot of times when I come in town, especially on the minor league level, when I come into town and I always ask the pitching coach, like, hey, who do you need me to, you know, to dig in on a little bit because, you know, the message that you're trying to convey or the bullpen coach trying to convey is, is like it, he's missing it. Hmm. And, you know, they give me a couple guys and – you know, while I'm there, I'll lock in on those guys and, you know, try to give the same, you know, give them the same message that their pitching coach and bullpen coach is giving, just coming from myself. And a lot of times it does work. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a unified message, so that's kind of cool. But to have it spoken, maybe you just, you just need to hear it a different way or somebody who's been there, I imagine that sort of helps communicate the point across It does because yeah. I tell them, I'm not telling you something I saw. I'm telling you something I actually did. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's a difference. Not nope. something I read in a book somewhere. Right. I did this. I experienced it. Yeah. Yep, the good, the bad, and the ugly about pitching <laughs> and baseball. Latroy, you're, you're, I don't know what your level of involvement is with the trade deadline or or the draft so i'll ask you uh, you involved with either one of those in player acquisition mode well it, it depends a lot of times more free agency okay um and 
the draft, but not this year because wasn't able to get out on the road and actually go scout a lot sure. of guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, but normal, you know, in normal years, I'm I'm I, I'm definitely a part of the draft process. Um, I used I'm usually in the draft room. This year, I was in since they put the, Major League Baseball made it where the draft goes on during the All Star festivities. I was there, so I was the Twins representative at the draft. Yeah, that was fun because our first round pick, Mr. Petty, was actually there, and it yeah. made it really cool. Um, but as far as trade things, no, I hadn't been a part of it. Okay. I hadn't been a part of it. Okay. I'm curious because, you know, this could be a really fascinating week for the twins that go one way, they could go the other. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to be buyers necessarily, but they could either sell or they could really sell. So I'm pretty curious to see what happens here this week, Troy. But as you sort of, uh, watch the, the acquisition mode, I wonder if you're taken back to your playing days. When you get into this week, there's got to be nerves. We heard Taylor Rogers on the show earlier say, you're a human being, that, that this stuff affects you. You see people talk about it. What is trade deadline week in a major league uniform when you don't know what the future holds? You're a nervous wreck. Yeah. You are a nervous wreck. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, you understand where your team is at and, you know, what they need, um, whether you're going to go into, you know, buy mode or sell mode, you understand that. And mm. you know it, you know, that next piece to leave could be you. And and then I was talking about this yet the other day when Nelson was traded. Like, when you're getting traded, I was traded four times, you're getting traded, you don't worry about, oh, well, when I get to this next stadium, the mound going to be the same distance or the base pad is going to be smaller. You don't th- – that stuff takes care of itself because none of that changes. Yeah. You know, for me, first thing went through my mind was like, God, I got to pack up this my entire apartment. Yeah. And get That's my real stuff life. to first time I was traded from the Cubs to San Francisco. So I had to go from the Midwest to the far, far West. And I'm yeah. like, oh, God, Jesus. So that was one of the, the toughest things. So that's where my mind went to yeah. because I knew the baseball, you know, I wouldn't go into a different league, any of that. That was going to be the same. Just uprooting your whole life and moving it in the drop of a dime is is the most stressful part and it weighs on your mind i'm sure yeah, when you're, you're out stressful. Mind. so great perspective there uh latroy hawkins has been our guest here on the mic check segment you can catch him on the bally sports north tv broadcast of today's game twins and angels in the finale 110 for first pitch uh latroy this has been uh, great catching up with you and thanks for taking a little time for twins today thanks for having me Derek. anytime oh well the pleasure was all ours uh that's latroy hawkins you can follow him on Twitter. I got to make sure I get this right. Is LaTroy Hawkins 52? 32. 32. I'm so sorry. I was trying to do it from memory. That's always a mistake. <laughs> always a mistake on live radio. LaTroy Hawkins 32 is where you can find him. And like I said, catch him on the Bally Sports North broadcast. Hey, when we come back, here's another interview you're going to want to hear. We're sitting down with Twins pitching prospect Jordan Belazovic. He joins the program next here on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Okay, welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and have the pleasure of being joined today by Twins pitching prospect, Jordan Belazovic. Jordan, thank you for taking the time for Twins Today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Oh, happy to do it. Happy to be talking with you. I want to start at the beginning of your pro career, if it's okay with you, Jordan, uh, and then we'll get into your time with the Wichita wind surge and, and the season you're having. But fifth-round pick in 16, how did you come to be, A, on the Twins' radar, and then, B, join the organization originally? Uh, well, they actually saw me pitching uh, back home. Uh, I threw 
for Ontario Blue Jays, but I also played for Team Canada. So they saw me a little bit playing like other professional teams and, and schools and whatnot. So uh, that's kind of how it started. But it, I mean, I didn't think I was really going to enter the draft and everything started to happen so late. I hit 90 for the first time, I don't know, maybe a couple months before the draft. So then that's when it really started to get crazy. And yeah, picked me up in uh, 2016 and I've been here ever since. Now you pitched at uh, in high school, is it uh, St. Martin, just outside of Toronto area in Ontario, and you mentioned Team Canada. What was that experience like as you guys picked with the Olympics going on now? I know, of course, Canada not there. Uh, do you wish you had the, that chance to be pitching in Tokyo right now? Yeah, no, that would be uh, that'd be awesome. Great experience too. The only thing was, you know, coming off injury. I don't know if I'd if I would, <laughs> you know, want to go over there missing some time, but. Um, no, it would have been an awesome experience, and uh, hopefully I'll have more down the road. Hey, Jordan, let's talk about the injury real quick, and then we'll get to some of your stuff on the field. Uh, Twins fans have been seeing your stats, of course, so they know the name and hopefully getting to see you uh, real soon in person. Missed the first month of the year with a, a back injury. Just tell us from your perspective what that was like. Yeah, that I've never, knock on, knock on wood, I've never really you know, had anything. So, you know, going into, I guess it was probably so much up and down from 2020 year, uh, not doing the same routines and, and whatnot, but yeah, I, uh, I strained my oblique and then, you know, that was, that was tough to, uh, kind of build back from just like, you know, not being able to move and do, you can't really do much for it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was just kind of a waiting game and then I had to get it stronger and build back up from there. But you saw it in like my velocity too. My velocity was down cause I was, you know, compensating, trying not to hurt it while I was throwing. But, <laughs> you know, now now we feel good. And uh, now I'm just starting to get back into that routine, you know, facing hitters, uh, just being smart, being able to read swings, uh, just like the little things, you know, and being yeah. able, able to execute those pitches. Yeah, it's great to hear. I mean, that you're on the men. Now, I had read somewhere a back injury, Jordan. Were you dealing with multiple things or is so mostly the oblique that set you, set you back to start the year? Yeah, no, it was mostly uh, it was mostly oblique. And, you know, it kind of runs, runs back. So it was kind of the whole, <laughs> I, I had it pretty bad. So, but no, we, we feel good now. That's great to hear. Our guest is Jordan Belazovic. He is a Twins pitching prospect right now with the AA Wichita wind surge. Sorry to read your numbers in front of you, Jordan, but the audience needs <laughs> to know. Three and one with a 2-4-4 ERA in uh, just over 44 innings. 57 to 10 strikeout to walk ratio, that 31% K rate. Uh, so, healthy now that's good you mentioned reading swings and I'm very fascinated to hear you say that at what level Jordan did you go from okay I like my stuff it works against some of these hitters versus now I see what that guy's trying to do against me and sort of reading the when did that become a chess game for you Jordan honestly 19 was you know one of the best years I've had and uh that I mean I was still you know trying to like pick up on it, I mean, I guess it's a little bit harder as a pitcher uh, to see those types of things. You know, usually your catcher is the one to do it. But, um, I mean, just even reading foul balls, uh, their tendencies, like if, if, you know, guys are leaning, what, like my first couple starts, I wasn't really paying attention to any of that and wasn't, you know, probably not the best, like, pitch selection to in certain, in certain uh, counts or certain at-bats. Um, so it's just like the little things, even reading foul balls. I would say, I mean, double A was when when it really started because that's I, I feel like that's when the hitters start to get you see that jump and the hitters start to get a little bit better too. Yeah, I'd probably say double A. Pretty recently, you took a no hitter into the sixth and uh, wasn't able to finish it off, but really an exciting night at the ballpark from everything that I've heard about it. 
What was that like for you on the mound as you try to, yeah, you're carving through a lineup, but then you also try to block out the, hey, I got a no-no going. Yeah, I mean, I did notice it, and I wish I didn't. <laughs> you know, you try not to pay attention to that stuff, but, um, you know, I looked up and I said, who cares? Just keep going. Like, just keep pitching. Trying to, And then I would get that off my mind and just continue to, uh, to execute my pitches. And, I mean, I, I felt really good that night, you know. Just everything was flowing, hitting my spots. And, I, yeah, I had, I had all my pitches, so couldn't really complain. Just execute and didn't, don't try to do too much. It's a simple game when it's working well. It's the days that it's not that it becomes a, a, a more exactly. challenging endeavor. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to think too much. So, like, those days are good because you're not, you're not really, like, you know, thinking. You're just, you're just playing. <laughs> you're yeah. just pitching, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's really it's fascinating insight. But, you know, you work on your stuff so that you can have it there on the mound when you need it. And I'm curious to know, uh, I've seen your, I've seen video. I followed your stats. Uh, this is our first time talking face to face, but I'm curious to know, Jordan, what is your scouting report for yourself? What do you do well out on the mound? I mean, my fastball plays pretty well and my pitches is play off my fastball. So I, I really just try to tunnel, you know, my, my, uh, fastball and my curveball together. Okay. And I feel like that I get a lot of, I get a lot of swings and misses, uh, because of that. I've been working on my changeup to get that better now. And the last the last few games, it's improved. So kind of just trying to build on that and get it more consistent because when it's in the zone, I'm getting I'm getting the results I want. It's just I need to get in the zone more often, you know, instead of, you know, on top of the plate or whatnot, because they're not going to swing if you don't throw for strikes. So, you know, just like the, the little things with it, but I'm starting to get a better, uh, better feel for it. But yeah, fastball command. And then I kind of just I kind of just play my off speed off of it. Change up mostly for lefties or use that on righties as well? Mostly for lefties, but I do like the, the righty righty change up. Yeah. Obviously to certain certain hitters. So once I get more consistent with it, then I'll probably throw it more to even right-handed hitters. It's great to hear. I'm curious, I'll talk to you about twins development stuff. And for listeners, if you're just joining us, Jordan Belazovic is our guest. He's a pitcher for the double A Wichita wind surge right now. But uh Look at his minor league numbers and sorry to the city of Wichita. Uh, he will, he has ambitions of moving on at some point. Uh, so Jordan, we thank you for taking some time here for us. A uh, couple yeah. more questions for you. And I, I want to ask you about development, but we can't talk about development in the minor leagues in 2021 without talking about the past uh, in 19 and 20, which was a down year for a lot of guys. I want to talk to you about summer camp. What was that experience like with you uh, with the Minnesota Twins? You're talking about 2020? 20, yeah. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it was good. I mean, it was just such a weird year. So it was, you know, we're, we're lucky that we were able to do what we did, you know, and at least, uh, I mean, it was inter-squad games, right? But everyone had, you know, something you got to work on. You know, you all, I mean, you always do. So it was good because it was like with that, you pick that one thing that you really want to focus on. And every day you're just working on it. So, you know, like my changeup, my changeup did get better from that. And it was just like the little things right there. And I mean, their development is, is unreal compared to um, other organizations and, and what I've, what I've heard too. So um, I'm just thankful to be with the twins and uh, see, see what happens from there. But yeah, I mean, I, I got nothing, nothing bad to say about them. I mean, That's it's awesome. just got better throughout the years I've been here too. It's, it's definitely an area of focus for them. So it's really fascinating to hear your perspective. I wanted to ask you one more thing about the Twins development here. And uh, for listeners that are just joining us, Jordan Belazovic is our guest. 
244 ERA at Double A Wichita right now with a 57 to 10 strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, you mentioned development, and you mentioned that the Twins are, you know, maybe top of the league. I don't know how you measure that stuff. I don't know how I personally measure it. I don't know how they measure it. But what has been your experience working with the Twins on development? Who have you worked with? And I uh, guess what's the what's the plan here going forward? Well, I actually well, I worked with Wes a little bit, um, big league camp. That was my first time uh, really getting to meet him, too. Uh, he helped me with my curveball. But, I mean, I was here when it, when it was the older front office before, you know, we kind of had that change. And, and, I mean, it's night and day. Like, before we couldn't do – I mean, we didn't do anything close to what we're doing now, you know, with all the analytics, too. And not just that, just the weighted ball programs and everything. And I feel like overall as a pitcher, like, I've gotten stronger. I've, my arm action's cleaned up. Like, everything is, is kind of – you know, like I said, like cleaned up. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, the weighted balls was huge. We couldn't do that before either. But I, I've worked pretty much from from everybody. I mean, Bayo, uh, he's in AAA. I had him in uh, my first time was in low A. The pitching coach I have now, I have him again, Virgil Vasquez from from low A, and now he's my double A. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's kind of cool how you go up also uh, together. So yeah, I mean, everyone everyone's helped me uh, a lot throughout the last the last few years so keep building on that and uh we'll see what happens super cool and uh great mindset about that too jordan if i can compliment you there i was i promised you one more but then you mentioned the word analytics and i'm a big analytics guy <laughs> any stats or, or numbers or rates or anything like that that you personally track for yourself i mean whether it's biometric or uh, stats on the page is there something that you're like hey this is a sign of of success for me Honestly, I believe it was, I think it was 2018 where we really started to use the Rapsodo and TrackMan and all that. And uh, I mean, before it was always like pitch down in the zone, pitch down in the zone, you know? <laughs> and yeah. and um, I mean, we didn't, I didn't know how, how my fastball really played either. So it was always like throwing down in the zone. I had to learn how to throw up in the zone. And once I started throwing up in the zone, I could still go down, but my fastball, I mean, it, it plays a lot better up in the zone. So I had to learn how to do that. And then, like I said, toning my uh, curveball off that. Yeah. yeah. So once once I personally learned how my pitches work like that, um, that's when I really started to see success. And I learned how to execute those pitches at the top of the zone and, and you know, execute the curveball where I wanted to. Just like those little things have, have helped me a lot. Awesome. Well, Jordan, this has been really fun getting to talk with you, getting to know you a little bit. Uh, we really sincerely appreciate you taking the time for Twins Today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. That's the voice of Jordan Belazovic. He is a Twins pitching prospect, something you're going to hear a lot here over the next uh, six, eight weeks as we continue with the 2021 season. More baseball coming up after this on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, final segment here. Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. It's been fun spending the two hours here with you, getting you all set for Twins and Angels, the finale at Target Field. First pitch scheduled for 1-10. On this show, we heard from an old friend, Rhett Bollinger. Latroy Hawkins stopped by to share his pitching wisdom with us. Just got off the phone with Jordan Belazovic the Twins pitching prospect who is uh, hoping to make his way up the ladder at some point here. And if you look at his numbers, I think he's got a decent shot to do that. Uh, We've also talked with MLB insider John Heyman. 
joined the show. We can hear a couple more of those clips here to close out Twins Today. But I want to let you know as as we're talking here, after this, right after I'm done talking to you, you're going to hear from Twins GM, Thad Levine. He joins Chris Atterbury on Inside Twins coming up next after this, right where you are listening to this show. And then it's the Adina Realty pregame lineup card all ahead of first pitch. Twins and Angels, 1-10 for today. So I mentioned we had John Heyman on the show and uh, asked him, you know, there are a couple of names that are pretty big here in Minnesota that could potentially be dealt this week. It'll be a fascinating week for Twins fans and for the Twins organization. Jose Barrios pitched great yesterday in what might be his final start with the Twins. We don't know. Uh, It's certainly going to be his final start before the trade deadline Friday. So I asked John, what is the demand like in the market for Jose Barrios' services? Tremendous amount of interest in Barrios. He might be the best pitcher that's kind of out there, shall we say. Marquez is not available, or the all-star with the Rockies. Um, you know, we'll see with Scherzer. He missed the start now, and he's a 10-5, and the Nats are not in it. So they should be a seller, so perhaps Scherzer will be traded. Um, but there are some complications there. Barrios, a little cleaner situation, no health issue, no 10-5, and very, very good pitcher. Um, and Kyle Gibson is out there. He's having a career year, but uh, you guys are familiar with Kyle Gibson, solid pitcher, but Barrios is more of a top-of-the-rotation guy and uh, would bring back a haul. So, you know, it would take some guts to trade him. It would take some guts to trade him. I don't know what they're going to do because Derek Falvey's stated uh, contention, I guess, all along is that they'll try to be contenders in 2022. Quickly rebuild a pitching staff on the fly, and they feel like they've got enough talent to be competitive. Um, Barrios would make them more competitive in 2022, unless you're getting major leaguers back in the deal, but that's not usually how these things work. So I don't know how to square that. I'm fascinated to see Heyman's thoughts as they play out here this week. Barrios certainly one of the most attractive starting pitchers on the market, considering A, he's good, and B, you'd have him for this year and for all of next year before he could be a free agent. Guy in a similar boat there for the Twins, Taylor Rogers makes his first all-star team this year, very deserving. Uh, one of the better relievers in baseball since he came into the league in 2016. Well, Heyman had some thoughts on Taylor Rogers' movement this week as well. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that they end up trading him. Uh, 13 strikeouts per nine. Very popular guy, as I said. And, uh, you know, team speed relievers. He should be able to get something very good for him. So, that's one more twin I expect to be traded, um, I would say, more likely than not. More likely than not to be traded. Uh, that one uh, maybe a little surprising to me. I certainly think that uh, there would be uh, uh, interest from contenders to go get a lefty reliever as good as Taylor Rogers ahead of the trade deadline. And don't forget, you'd get him next year too, but to say more likely than not, um, Rodgers versus Barrios, where he didn't say he thought that was as likely, or Buxton, same boat there. Maybe uh, Thad Levine can shed some insight on that coming up on Inside Twins in mere moments with Chris Atterbury. Quick note on Rodgers. Four relievers in baseball since he debuted have more innings, a higher strikeout rate, and a lower ERA than Rodgers. Kenley Jansen, Brad Hand, Raysel Iglesias, Ryan Presley. That is the company that he keeps. 
Great having John Heyman on the show. We appreciate his insight and for joining us. Also, LaTroy Hawkins, Rhett Bollinger, Jordan Belazovic. It was a loaded show leading up here to Inside Twins with Chris Atterbury and Thad Levine. That is the Diner Realty pregame lineup card and first pitch, Twins and Angels. Catch you next week on the program. Can't wait to talk then. We'll know what happened at the trade deadline. This is News Talk, 830-WCCO. You have been listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.